clean-cut but morally corrupt, it's the Forwards Backwards podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe and not from the Gimme Some Truth studios. This week, we discuss Sideways Madison, Keith's blood pressure, and Camp Mingo for kids who can't read good and want to learn to do other stuff good, too. I'm Keith Ponywaz, and as always, I'm joined by the Owen Wilson to my Luke Wilson, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting. Dan Fallon is going down the road feeling bad. Kyle, better pod body part, your dad biceps, which we saw on display from the Capo stand on Saturday night, or Dan's runner's calves? I don't know. Considering we haven't seen Dan in, I think, a year. I don't know. I, is Dan even in the country? Like, until I know Dan's in the country, I'm going to go with my own biceps, even though that's Do you think we might have a weekend at Bernie's situation with Dan? That well, like he's he, at least a lot. You, you think? I don't know. I don't know. Some we of the texts that he sends is very Dan Fallon-esque. It's just a matter yeah. of, is he in the country? Is he held hostage? Like, I, mean, he I don't in, know. He was in Alaska, I think, for a while. That was the last I'd heard. So he could is have it, crossed over to Russia? Like, I don't know. <laughs> There is there a you know as Sarah Palin has taught us she could see Russian from her front yard so maybe he just walked over took a yeah took a quick trip he's in Siberia now Alaska was not remote enough um, maybe we can get some input from uh, our guests today we're joined by Sarah Scott and Kelly Ferguson uh, only one of whom we've encouraged and you can't see the air quotes at home into wedded bliss uh, to talk about uh, Camp Mingo. Uh, which is a, a fun event that uh, the flock is putting on to sort of celebrate another year of, of flock celebration and, and good times and great oldies, as they used to say. Um, but before we get into that, Kelly, Sarah, how impressive were Kyle's dad biceps, by the way? He, he broke out the basketball jersey. Um, you know, I am too old to wear that, you know, sleeveless. But Kyle, I mean, very clearly – Lifting up young children, I think, is what we've seen there. He's clearly been in training. Having lifted Amelia, I feel like your biceps, because you have two under two, um, yeah, you win. <laughs> Suck it, Dan. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the pod can only have one sex symbol, and it's no longer you, Dan Fallon. Um, so we, we took Keith out of the running long ago, mostly because he's going to complain about his blood pressure for the next 45 minutes. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about Camp Mingo. Um, and apparently, you know, what, what, what created the idea? What, what caused Camp Mingo to, to come to, to the fore, I guess, first? Yeah, well, we're looking at the end of the season. Um, we were looking back at what we did in 2019. We had that, that beautiful gala at um, Jardin restaurant at Robinia Courtyard and wanted to do something fantastic to celebrate the end of another season that actually happened. Um, so we started thinking about that, but realized holding a large indoor event during a pandemic probably not our best choice. Um, so, well, and I, you know, and I think, you know, not just you could do vaccination cards and all of that, you know, so many members of the flock, but people aren't as comfortable. And then you also said that it, it may have been harder to fully include the flock community as well. Yeah. And due to USL league restrictions, since this is happening actually during the season yet, um, the team would not be able to attend an indoor event. So, um, we knew we wanted to do something and it probably would have to be an outdoor event if we're going to get everybody in the forward Madison you know, radius um, able to attend. Um, so Andrew Schmidt, who many people know, um, is I Chairman think, Schmidt, as he's known to us. Yes. Um, suggested first uh, the idea of having some sort of a campfire bonfire type thing. Um, did he express it like that or knowing Andrew, did he say, I want to burn some shit? Surprisingly, no. We were just told that there needs to be a bonfire and we would like a community event. Um, mostly stress on having a bonfire. Um, so we tried. Um, I don't think they're going to let us light a very large fire at Burroughs Park, but we did get a city park, Burroughs Park, um, thanks to Mark and Mike, 
Um, and we're going to have some small campfires. So we at least got that. <laughs> Kyle, a uh, special relationship between you and Burroughs Park, is there not? Yeah, just a nice get married. Get out of town! Good times. We didn't know that. <laughs> I swear, I thought I told you that. Yeah, no, we, Emma and I got married at Burroughs Park three years ago. So that was pretty great. And I guess Emma's parents met at Burroughs Park a long time ago. Well, if you'd like to renew well. your vows, we can have Mike bring the whole, like, you know, pastoral, pastoral getup. I like I Kelly filling in, filling in that, for yeah. me on the, the, you know, pushing the marriage um, move. Good work, Kelly. Uh, you know, we need more marriage ceremonies in the flock. Let us we, let's be We frank. really do. We, some, some of us really could use a marriage <laughs> somewhere in the flock, somewhere, sometime, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Kelly. I spent the pandemic watching romantic comedies with my dog. So, you know. You're on your own there, um, you know. Uh, so, uh, so people are going to be going to Burroughs Park. If you've never been to Burroughs Park, there's a beautiful shelter, as Kyle can tell you, and you have fireplaces on either side. And at that time of year, it's like perfect to be at Burroughs Park because you have the water there, and and the leaves are changing, and and all of that. Um, so it's set right on the lake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I suppose I should mention that it's on Saturday, October 9th. So yes, the height of the fall color season. We're going to start about 1 p.m. So get that afternoon sun and then we're going to go right into the evening. So <laughs> Excellent. And, and so now you guys were actually on a grilling and camping trip when you started formulating the idea for this, right, Sarah? You were saying something about yes. uh, Mike Quito being in the car with you. There were show tunes involved. Yes. So um, as Gene will attest, bless his heart, he was driving us to um, AKA the tall mango. If you're on the Twitter machine. Um, Was kind enough to drive us to devil's lake for an afternoon, like evening grill and just be at the lake. And that's kind of when we got those messages about let's have a campfire. I want a campfire. And so we kind of looked around and we were like, well, let's do camp. Let's do summer camp. Um, we all, you know, went or at least have an idea of what summer camp is like. Um, I have a lot of craft stuff. I want to get out of my house. So that may or may not be making an appearance as a donation. There will um, be crafting? Yes, there will be crafting. Um, there will be both arts and crafts, Keith. Oh, yes. boy. The full yeah. summer camp experience. Yes. So, yeah, so that's how it came to be. And on the way home, we blasted show tunes and sang along and Gene is still coming home. So I guess he still likes me. <laughs> Although you said he wasn't there currently. So maybe. No, okay. Maybe, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we'll what are besides arts and crafts? And you're going to start at one o'clock and I assume it's going to go till the park closes at nine or ten o'clock or whenever that is. Uh, Mike Quito would also have us remind you that it is BYOB. Bring your own, but not glass bottles because it does cause problems for the parks department employees and technically illegal in Madison parks uh, to bring glass bottles. I will tell you, I have had many a bottle of wine in Burroughs Park and nobody's ever, you know, given me a hard time, but you know, I am. uh, Box wine. Yeah. Uh, I am just passing along the message. Just pour it in a tumbler. Yep. Bring, bring cans, bring your flask, bring, uh, you know, uh, a box of wine. Do they do box champagne? Can you get box? Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it would end poorly, but. Oh, I don't, yeah. I never said it would be good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. Start all that well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would, it would be a disaster all the way around, but you know. Uh, so don't bring bottles. Um, but right. what other activities other than BYOB do you have going on during the course of the day? Yeah. So since you mentioned the BYOB, um, we will kind of go a little out of order of the plan of the day. But um, we are planning to grill out. So um, the team, the club was uh, lovely enough to donate the grill products. So we'll have burgers, veggie burgers, hot dogs and buns and um, all of that stuff to go with it. And we're asking um, that people bring their own beverages, 
bring their own sides, chips, all of those accompanying things. Uh, if I could interrupt you, share. If I could interrupt you, what's your favorite barbecue side dish? I mean, this I, wasn't covered in the pre-production meeting. I don't think I'm on my feet. You know, as, as Rowdy Roddy Piper once said, just when they start figuring out the answers, I go and change the questions. I'm so, going to say like baked beans or just like chips. I'm not, not a huge fan of the, you know, slaws and potato salad. See, I'm a huge potato salad fan. I like, in particular, as you're a Spanish teacher, you may appreciate this, a good ensaladilla rusa with the peas. I could be and, and all about carrots. the ensaladilla. Yeah. So I like, I like mixing that in. Kyle, Sarah? I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, lumpia because, oh. like, even though that's not traditionally at barbecues, every barbecue I went to growing up had egg rolls. So I'm going to go with that. That mm-hmm. sounds like an excellent. Can I change my vote to Sarah's mom's egg rolls? I, I think we might all change our votes to Sarah's mom's egg rolls. I think I may have Jean try and ask her to make some. She won't do it if I ask her, but if Jean <laughs> asks her. She, does she like Jean better than you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not> even, <laughs> they're not going to listen to this. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what would you go with? Does a baked potato count as a side? It does count as a side, but is it traditional grill fare? Is it like barbecue grill? With fare? my family, it is. Okay, then that works. I'll, 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 I'll say that or skewers, that or vegetable skewers. Okay, yeah. a, a kebab, a vegetable kebab is a good a good call. Um, I, I also like I like my mother makes for all family gatherings eight layer Jello, which is a layer of regular Jello. And condensed milk jello, regular jello, condensed milk jello, um, and all the different varieties of the of the jello rainbow. Um, that's one of my favorite Midwestern. And as we all know, in the Midwest, jello is considered a vegetable. So this yeah, is you had very fancy healthy. picnics. Yeah. Well, grandma was famous for the mandarin oranges in the orange jello as well, which is oh no, no, no. You cannot top my grandma. Shredded carrots in the orange jello. Oh my god. That's what my yeah. grandma did too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. This I'm sounds... in the jello at someone if I were to eat it and find carrots in there. This sounds yeah. like if you watch uh, uh if you're on Twitter, I think there's like 70s food abominations or something as the Twitter feed. The shredded yeah. carrots in the jello sounds like a I've I loved it. Too. For I absolutely dogs. loved it. I've seen the recipes for hot dogs in jello. Yep. From the 70s that people post yeah, no. on there? Yeah. No. Yeah. Those, those people, no. No, no. Oh, that well. sounds heinous. Yeah. Right? I, I have a whole line of storytelling there that I will spare everyone from because they're really dying to talk not more about uh, the Ford Madison game, but more about Camp Mingo. What else? So uh, you're going to have the cookout. Uh, about what time will the food be, you know, coming out? We're you looking know, we're at it. Throwing it on the grill shortly before five. Okay. Oh, you know, dinner-ish time. Um, And we do expect a large part, if not maybe even all of the players to to be joining us around then. So we'll get to see a bunch of our players um, at that point in the evening. You feed soccer players and they'll show up. This is just- That's what what I've been told. I'm actually being sent a list because they're afraid they're going to eat all the food. Um, so we're going to get some, some numbers from the team to make sure that we have enough to feed those boys. Yeah. Uh, but clearly they haven't partied with us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but before the food, we do have all the like day camp activities. So I don't know, Sarah, if you want to. Yeah. Make, so jump in um, on that. Yes. As Keith mentioned, there will be arts and crafts. Um, they're also you don't want to leave out the arts. You don't want to, you know, some people are more into the arts rather than the crafts. So yeah, no, the they're both. They're both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll also have some uh, a photo booth and some face painting. And 
um, the bigger, most structured event of the afternoon, I guess, if you will, um, is the Mingo Olympics. So you get a team of three to five people together and we're going to have four events, um, including, you know, an egg race with some flock forward Madison flamingo twists to all of these events. So you'll definitely want to kind of come on in and see what you can do. Uh, the winners are going to get some bragging rights and some pins <laughs> that say you won, um, our little camp badges. Um, and we should also uh, mention that since this is a fundraiser for the flock, um, we are taking suggested donations for all these items. So clearly, um, you know, you'll see signs around with suggested donations for the Mingo Olympics and some, uh, some of the arts and crafts in the photo um, booths. But yeah, yeah. So, we're going to be enjoying the grill food. You know, we're going to ask maybe, you know, you kick in a little something um, because, yeah, Sarah mentioned this is a fundraiser um, for, you know, it, I think it's being put out on social media as future flock projects. But uh, basically, uh, if you've noticed that uh, the flock now has a um, office, headquarters, storage space, retail space um, at the stadium, um, something that's rented until the end of this season. We'd really like to have something like that again next season. Um, so that is one of the future flock projects um, for which we are raising funds is to have us not have to haul merchandise in the back of a truck from Janesville every week and set up a tent and then take it all down and store the drums at someone's house and, and all of that. It's, you know, for the people that are involved in it, it'd be a, it's a huge time saver. And, and over the course of, you know, 17, 19, 17 matches during the course of the season, um, uh, you know, e even if you're like, oh, well, it's just a, you know, hour and a half, two hours on Saturday, you know, what's the big deal? It adds up to a week's worth of work essentially every year. So having that to, to trim some of that time would, is undoubtedly very, very helpful, I would guess. Yeah, our match day team, um, you know, shows up at the field sometime between three and four o'clock on a game day to get all of the things set up for the match day experience. So um, it definitely helps when we don't have to set up merchandise tables and we don't have to unload cars and move vehicles and and everything's right there. Um, helps us make a better game day experience for everyone that's in the flock. Uh, before we turn to Saturday's game day experience, is there anything that we missed? Well, we kind of talked about it, but um, we're going to cap the evening off with some s'mores and uh, campfires. So you'll definitely want to stay for that. And then I think that's pretty much it. Uh, two questions, one, or two, a comment and a question. One, we buried the lead because I would lead with s'mores. I mean, who doesn't like s'mores? Um, second point, you had mentioned buttons. If I go and I participate in the arts and crafts, can I get like, you know, an arts and crafts badge? Am I going to be able to be eligible for my opera singing badge, for instance? Um, I'm going to say no to the singing. Okay. There, there is no show tunes badge at this particular day camp. That's that's Although too bad that, because that could change. Yeah. Could I, change. You know, if Mike Quito listens to this Note podcast, to apparently after that car ride, he's going to be pushing hard for the show tunes badge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there, there might need to be some expanded line of, of camp badges uh, following this conversation. But there will be badges is what badges. Yes. There will be Mingo yes. Olympic badges, but we may okay. expand that now based on your feedback. Well, I'm yeah. just thinking of like, you know, when, when scouting and you would get the little scout camp badges. I had the Archery. badge. Yeah. Among others. Archery. But. Yeah. Uh, probably don't want to let the flock loose with bows and arrows, though. So no, no. We archery. will not have archery. Ah, good call. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no weaponry of any kind. Actually, that would not be allowed. Okay. So uh, no glass bottles. No weaponry. Right. Yeah. Seems seems fair. Yeah, I can't complain about that. Uh, Kyle, I sent you the um, three key items to to this week's last week's one one draw with um, Greenville. Um, what, what are the three key points for this week's podcast? Well, they're pretty straightforward. If anything, it's pretty on brand for you. The first one, one, prevent Keith from stroking out, sending deep, no countering patterns of play 
Tyler Allen, and Derek Gebhard. Do you want to expand on that? Uh, well, so there, there are a couple of things. Um, I think now this is the, uh, and I want to thank uh, Twitter, Twitter follower Dave Mowers, who I also learned is an Episcopal priest. So really, if you've listened to our podcast, apologies on so many levels, because um, I'm not allowed in church anymore for fear that the uh, the locals will, uh, you know, get get hit with, uh, with lightning bolts from being around me. But Dave did point out, uh, 724, one, one versus Fort Lauderdale conceded in the 90th minute. Now that was hundredth, like a hundred and minute, minute, but you know, late in the match, uh, shouldn't have counted, but anyway. uh, you know, eight, eight. So eight, eight against Toronto two, 86th minute concession, uh, eight twenty one 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 against North Texas. 90th minute concession, 917 versus Toronto 2, 89th minute concession, 925, 1 1 against Greenville, 79, 79th minute concession. Um, so, what I will point out um, is uh, Jean Paul Sartre defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. And uh, that's kind of where I'm feeling we are because it's the same thing happening every week. We drop deep, we absorb pressure, and then we concede a dumb goal. Uh, even on the broadcast, uh, uh, Craig Carl, Carl Craigson, uh, noted that you know we're, we're scoring more from counterattacks, but our counterattacks were anemic. We don't seem to, as I said, patterns of play – we don't seem to have, okay, we're going to break out and this is what we're going to do too often. And, you know, this is a whole separate podcast, but I watched Perez very closely and I can get angry about that. Um, but he, you know, will slow up the counterattacks. We're just, we're sitting deep and look, you can sit deep and win matches. Jose Mourinho made a whole career out of going up one, nothing. Yeah. That doesn't parking the work bus. anymore for him either. And and countering, right? But we don't have that counterattacking plan in place, it seems like. We don't have, I don't know, any plan in place. Somebody stopped me before, again, I stroke out. I'm counting on the three of you to prevent the stroking out part from happening. All right, fine, fine. I mean, I'm with you on that, though, because this team definitely seems determined to snatch a draw from the jaws of victory, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, why win or lose when you can draw? Seven of the 11 draws for Madison halves have been by a score of Mm -hmm. 1-1. The only time, there's two times that they have come back and scored the equalizer. The first game of the season against Tucson, which was late. And then in Omaha, that terrible scored. So that was kind of cool. There are other two draws besides that. Besides, so out of the 11 draws, seven of them are 1 1, three of them are 2 2, and the other is a 0 0 handy derby at home. So I guess we're going to, they're just going to draw their way into the playoffs. And the stupid thing is, they could potentially just draw their way and get and still make the playoffs. Like it's that dumb where even if they make, say they draw their two games in hand on North Texas, who currently sit at sixth place they would surpass North Texas with 31 points. Seems kind of dumb. I don't think they should try and draw their way into it. I don't think that's a feasible strategy. I don't think it's a long-term good idea. I would also like to have more wins than kits so those jokes can stop happening. It would be great. If you're extremely online like Kyle is, you want to avoid the very easy, cheap banter that uh, wins than kits provides. You know, um, you can't you can't beat me in the banter when I'm making the jokes myself. So suck on that. That's <laughs> what I'll say. If I I'm already making those jokes, so you can't yeah, yeah. hurt me with it. Yeah. yeah, you can't hurt me. This is why I'm dead inside. You can't hurt me because I'm dead inside. That's the other you know thing that I've got going for me. It's kind of so. like the TikTok where that guy's like, "Oh, you think you hate this place more than me? I work here." That's kind of where <laughs> I'm at with this team. You think you can bash this team more than no? I support this team. Like I yeah. am here. You can't yeah. hurt me more than they have hurt me in the last two, three months. So. Uh, 
So speaking of the last two, three months, I went into the doctor uh, and we, we can get to point two because point two is very similar to point one. I'm more uh, worried about you with point two than point one and three. Well, um, you know, God, well, what I'll say though, on the plus side, thinking positive, maybe coach Carl Craig, Craig Carlson uh, listens to this podcast. Maybe Neil Hobati listens to the podcast because what did we say? We said Gebhardt, Allen out on the wings. What happened with Gebhardt and Allen out on the wings in the first half? Good they were happen. dangerous. Allen knocked that ball in. Uh, 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 you know, Keegan pounced on the rebound, passed it across. Gebhardt finished it. Uh, you know, the guys that we went out there, the young, active, putting pressure out there, guys, put some pressure on, got a goal, did what they were supposed to. What then happened in the second half is it looked like Tyler Adams, uh, Tyler Adams, uh, Tyler Adam, Tyler Allen. I'm going to just, you know, I, I'm going to call the new bit now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, it's not a bit if I don't mean it. Um, I mean, word dissociation, I believe, could be a stroke symptom. So we should be careful. You but, also the, did this with Carl Craig at the beginning of the season as well. So, yeah. But, you uh, know, when, when a guy has two first names, probably three if he has a middle name. And he's named very similar to one of my favorite U.S. men's national team players. So, um, you know, uh, come up with a last name like Pony was. Then I won't confuse it. You know, this is very You'll find a way. You will find a way. I would find a way. Um, I am worried about this this further stroke system, uh, symptom, Sarah. So we may, uh, you're not, you're a a jurist doctor, right? You're not a medical doctor, correct? Um, Well, neither. (laughs) What's that? Well, neither. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm working towards my jurist doctor. Yeah, okay. Uh, if, if Dr. Depeche Navasaria weighs in on Twitter, then I'm in real trouble. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the, we brought them in there on the front foot, but then at halftime, it looked like we shift, shifted to a 4-4-2. Um, from the 3-5-2 in the first half, shifted to a 4-4-2. Um, at some point, we can discuss why I didn't like that. Do you want to discuss that now? Do you want Kyle, do you have Sarah, Kelly, other I points? I feel like this kind of leads into your point two, which yeah. is preventing you from stroking out no subs, but subbing out Josiah. I feel like it's a transition to that. It, it does work quite well. By the way, uh, you know, uh, so part of the reason we're concerned about Keith stroking out is Keith went to the doctor. Uh, somewhere around when these this series of 1-1 draws, 2-2 draws, where we had conceded in front started. And my blood pressure was a little high, according to the uh, doctor who does these tests. Um, and then, uh, you know, I followed that up rather. I, I, I went on a diet. I'm eating salads for lunch. But I also followed it up by a trip to New York City uh, and then a trip to Liverpool, England, where we lived on the fried food, meat pies, and warm beer diet. So I went back on Tuesday, and uh, blood pressure went up despite my diet. And it's getting to the level where, Keith, it's a medical emergency. We may need to admit you into the hospital with your blood pressure this high. Um, So uh, Keith has made the decision to stop drinking. And uh, I may have to make the decision to stop watching Forward Madison. Nope. Okay. Nope. There it is. That is the problem with this fucking team. The last time you decided to stop drinking was the beginning of 2020 when Liverpool decided to start playing like shit. So this is, again, you cannot give up drinking because bad things happen to your teams. We went through shit last year. So I I just decided to to change my, my drinking. Bad shit doesn't just happen to my teams. You're bearing the lead here. What did really my c- cessation of drinking s- coincide with? The the outbreak of COVID. Like no, no, this was before COVID. Pandemic. This was before COVID. You decided that. Yeah, but it like COVID was no. like kind of ramping uh, up. No, no, no. I'm blaming this. I am blaming this. Uh, so, but I, I I was still drinking going into. Well, I decided to stop going into Saturday. I, Thursday, I, I drank, uh, and then I'm like, you know what? I need to. This is one of the easier ways to lower your blood pressure 
in addition to my diet. I'm going to spend a month of clean living. So I'm, I'm suggesting I'm reversing the mojo here. Point two. Anyways, the subs. So point two, uh, we go to the four, four, two, uh, we shift, uh, Perez out wide and Enriquez into the middle with Malloy. I would say, uh, Enriquez was very quiet in the second half. Um, and I watched specifically because it felt like the back three, back four was having a hard time linking play into the midfield. So generally in those situations, one, maybe you bring on for Liverpool fans, uh, a, a Ginny Wijnaldum style midfielder, uh, fans of Chelsea saw this in their match against Tottenham Hotspur, where, uh, Thomas Tuchel brought on N'Golo Kante, perhaps the best in the world at this role. But you bring on what you might call a connecting midfielder at some point because we were really struggling to build out of the back. Am I wrong here? Isn't that? I, I feel like that's where Aaron Malloy would probably have factored in. And that's just my guess. I guess that's what I would think Aaron Malloy is. He's kind of the one that should be able to bridge from defense to attack. But if you're having struggle and you're only, you know, you're struggling with connecting and you only have two midfielders you probably want another outlet there because uh, they had two central midfielders. It wasn't really a diamond. Gebhardt or uh, uh, Gebhardt was very wide. Uh, uh, Chino Perez was very wide. And so they were having trouble finding Enriquez. And, uh, or, and as well, he didn't look like he was moving well off the ball and wasn't comfortable. So, you know, uh, I think we had, Jepson Suko on the bench, both guys who can do that role we've seen, maybe a good substitute fit to get somebody in, at least with fresh legs, because when you're two in the center of the midfield, you've got a lot more running to do as well. So get some fresh legs, get some maybe new strategic ideas in there, uh, shift them in. Instead, we don't do any subs until 85th minute after we've already conceded when uh, our goal was conceded because uh, Rad just kind of doesn't have any options, and that's point three, but doesn't have any options and hits a line drive back to the goalkeeper. Um, instead, we bring in Josiah Trimmingham, and I, I mean this from the bottom, the depths of my soul. I will buy all of the 12th kit on offer in the store if we stop trying to make fetch happen. And by making fetch happen, I mean, Josiah Trimmingham is not our second is not our third choice striker. No, but the one thing I really like about the fact that they're doing that is it keeps Eric Leonard in the defense where he is much better than in the midfield. Yeah, this is true. Uh, they are getting him some time, uh, though we did see Josiah drop deep. Because, um, you know, uh, there was the injury to Connor Turbo Tobin, which is a a longer term concern. Uh, As well in the midfield, Kyle, uh, we could have gone with Gustavo Fernandez, by the way, who was on the bench in the 18, who has played at the defensive center midfield role as well. Give a little support to the the outlets and Malloy in the defense. Uh, But Sarah, Kyle, more thoughts on Josiah Trimmingham. I at first understand the late sub because when the other team is consistently getting corners and set pieces, Josiah is a great aerial presence to get rid of the ball and head it away. It makes sense in that aspect when you're trying to hold a lead. Ironically, I mean, he couldn't play against Toronto because visa issues and everything, but in some of the other matches, it's still not necessarily paying off, which for some odd reason. Now, when you need a goal, it's not like, here's the other tough part. Your other attacking option off the bench is Noah Fusad. You know, Mike Vang was not on the bench for this match. That's kind of it. You don't really have any other subs right now. Uh, if Jiro was healthy, maybe he could have been an option. If Pops was healthy, like those are potential options, but they're not there. So I don't, I'm fine with throwing Josiah in there because he still offered something and hell, he has scored something not a lot of these players can do. So he has done that, but I think 
throwing out both Josiah and Noah would have made a lot more sense. Even if you want to have Josiah play a little bit deeper, I get it in terms of the defensive side of it. It's just on the attack when you need a goal, unless you're trying to do a knockdown for Keegan or Gebhard to play off of it. I don't know. All right. Yeah, uh, I see the allure of having a guy of his height up front, but. Well, you can also see the allure of having them in the back as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you also know, he's true. a solid person, player that can, as you mentioned, can do both. It's just, we don't know what. Uh, you, you could bring him in for Cyrus Rad if you're worried about defending set pieces. You could have, we were playing with four in the back. You could have almost brought him in for mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tyler Allen, who was playing more as a, a right outside back. The, the trouble comes twofold. One, we're already having a problem where we're just sitting deep in, a t- in allowing too much drawing in. It does not seem like we're shifting so that that he becomes like a target man and we're making runs off of him, where we have a sole striker and maybe we shift to something like four in the back, two defensive midfielders, and then a combination of, of uh, Perez, uh, Gebhardt, and Sarakowski behind them, a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-5-1, something like that. We're not doing that. And it doesn't seem like a pattern of play that we're practicing. The other thing that we're having, the problem is, Josiah's mobility up front is pretty limited. One of the more attractive things about Noah Fusan is the kid is a tremendously hard worker for Mm -hmm. an attacker and puts in a real defensive shift. And so one of the ways that you can, as a coach, get your team out of that packing it in, packing it in, is put in um, a, a press, right? It doesn't have to be very long, but five minutes of high defensive intensity where you're looking to put them under pressure and disrupt them a little bit. And a guy like Noah Fusan is very good at would be very good at leading that sort of thing. I also think Sarakowski is an ideal target man striker as well, as is Jake Keegan, and he's shown that as well. The other thing is Jake Keegan has been our most reliable offensive performer. He's been on a goal drought, but even in that goal drought, he's contributed assists, right? Um, and so, Kyle, you're you're shaking your head. Yes. I'd also probably say Gebhard because he's also provided the most he's the most threatening. Keegan, when he gets the ball, is very efficient with it, at least setting up his teammates. Could have argued should have gotten the goal as well. Like could have argued it. But I feel like Gebhard is the one where if there's any chance there's going to be anything created, whether it's a goal, whether it's a cross, it's probably coming from Gebhard. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that's I think, you know, Keegan is uh, Gebhardt is, if you're looking for like improving the expected value or defenders bypass is, is one of the stats probably leads the team in that Keegan is just so good inside the 18 creating those chances. Noah has also put in a couple of goals this year, put in a couple of assists, but he has that defensive work rate that I think if we're in this habit of sitting too deep, put in Noah with the idea of, okay, we're going to you know, go to one up front and we're going to have three behind them, but we're going to press and we're going to put them under pressure or we're going to stay in the three, five, two with Noah and Geb or Noah and uh, Sarakowski or Noah and Keegan up top. And those guys are going to press what Trimmingham does and offers is, well, we've, we've thrown up our hands. We've accepted. We're going to sit too deep and we're just going to bomb to them. Hopefully offensively. I mean, he doesn't have, Noah Fusan's ability to take guys on. He's just not, he's not a complete player in the way that Fusan is, right? Yeah, I mean, it's odd. Like I said, I get when you're trying to hold the lead to throw him on when you're chasing a goal. Could have seen Fusan and maybe Fusan eventually. Didn't he eventually get subbed in on like the 90th minute or something? Yeah, like, so when it, they it felt like it was too turbo little, went too on. Late. Yeah, when Turbo went on, Fusan came on for Josiah, and then they dropped Josiah deep. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, um, it, it, it's just frustrating. And I'll also say it from a team management perspective, Keegan doesn't look very happy to be subbed off there. Fusan, 
you know, your younger guys that have been putting in this work rate all season, Trimmingham shows up mid-year. I mean, I understood it a little bit when we had limited depth at striker and we were trying to play a 3-5-2. You bring in Sarakowski, you know, um, and then maybe Fusan's not getting it, but he seems like a guy that at the very least you bring him on and he's going to bring some energy and get the team out of that bunkering mentality. Any of the, uh, you know, maybe Vang, maybe whomever, like there's, you have good, better attacking options, guys who can do things with the ball, whereas Trimmingham is just not that. I'm sorry. You know, if you want to bring him in for Cyrus Rad to, to fortify on set pieces, that makes sense. I'm on board with that. Or, you know, move Eric Leonard, you know, over to the left and bring him on. But him as an attacker is just, it's gimmicky. I always think of when the Chicago Bears, and this is before everybody's time except for Kelly's, would bring on William the Refrigerator Perry as a running back. And it always, and Walter Payton was a, a consummate professional, but it always pissed him off because, you know, he was the guy that did 98 yards of work to get down there. And then they were sucking the glory from him on the, on the touchdowns. And so I imagine, you know, guys who are attackers that have been attackers that have trained as attackers are probably a little frustrated by the, you know, equivalent of the fridge coming on. Um, that would be my point. I, I think I held my blood pressure down. I'm going to have to test after this, but surprisingly, surprisingly well, I would say it's good, surprising good. well. Yeah. Uh, so point three. Yeeting the ball to the keeper, probably not. It, it made sense. I don't blame him. Like, it was the only option, but uh, um, that's just not the mistake. You can't. And Carl said it in the post game. It seems like there's always some mistake, whether it is from the official or whether it is from a player. Um, Kelly and Sarah, you said you had some unique insight that uh, from your co-ed rec team that uh, seemed to jive with what we were seeing out there? I mean, I make no statement that our co-ed rec team is any good. Um, I mean, let me put it this way. We have two father-daughter pairs on our team. One of the fathers is 70. We're playing in a league with, you know, 20-somethings on the regular. Um, But we have learned that when we concede and we give a lot of goals, a lot of goals, Um, It is usually off that same kind of play. Um, And Kelly and I do sit back in the defense most of the time. And Mm -hmm. we're left (laughs) trying to defend these 20 somethings. Um, Yeah. And as was previously mentioned on the podcast, I am quite old and uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to keep up with a, you know, 20 something guy who sticks to. Have you considered playing dirty Kelly? Because I think you can get away with it. I'll take the tip. Um, but I mean, we saw like the Spain match this summer when they passed it back to the keeper who missed it in like a cup match, you know, um, it, you got to really know what's around and your keeper has to know the ball's coming to him. Um, I always feel like that's a risky move and maybe it comes from me playing on, you know, rec level teams, but I'm real hesitant to send it back. Yep. Kyle, additional thoughts there. Nope. That all made sense. And like I said, I get the reason for that decision. It's just the execution. And when you're, it's one thing when you have enough time and space, it's another thing when you have someone closing down on you. Yeah. And and I watched, I've watched that video 15 times now. Um, Rad had plenty of time to basically move the ball to another foot and bang it up the field, which is always another option. I understand the Pep Guardiola-esque suggestion that we need to play out of the back. But if you're going to play back to your keeper, here's one of the key Well, you can't things. really play out of the back if you're constantly bunkered in. Uh, it does make building out of the back, if you're not building anywhere, you know, the building a little more difficult. Um, but if you look at Cyrus's, Cyrus Rad's um, body language, he just kind of flop, flicks at, flops at that ball. He's leaning back. He, he, you know, you can play it back to your keeper, but asking your keeper to receive one under pressure off of his chest 
is a very big ask. Um, and yeah. I was a goalkeeper and I, I think you should use your goalkeeper's foot skills, even if there's a little bit of pressure because it expands, you know, this is the, the Pep Guardiola philosophy because it makes the field bigger and makes them have to defend more and all of those things. But when you're playing to your last man, you have to be especially careful that you play them a good ball. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you have to, you can't slap at it. And he very clearly looked like he was slapping at it. It looked like a lazy pass. You have to be over it. It has to be on the ground. It has to be a good ball. And then the other thing is generally in that situation, uh, you want to play the ball to the away from the goal side rather than line drive it back at the goal. So part of this is to redress uh, on the broadcast, which I watched because uh, I was lying there, you know, monitoring my blood pressure. Um, <laughs> Great time. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was beeping really badly at that point. Um, you, 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 he blamed the goalkeeper, blamed Phil Brino. Yeah, Phil Brino probably should make a little bit better trap. But even if he makes a better trap, that attacker is bearing down on him and he doesn't have a lot of options. Whereas, you know, Rad had the option to to bang it long, which we seem to be fine with for most of the match. So it was frustrating from that perspective. I think I've maintained my call. Kyle, Sarah, Kelly, any other thoughts? Road trip. Woo! So what is road trip? And you know, it's great. When a team that has won one road game, and that was back in May, is going on a four-game road trip against teams that all they're competing with for the playoffs, I feel like there's going to be some draws, and I'm ready for another one-one draw. I on mean, Friday. on on one hand, I feel like it would be less frustrating if we would if we just lost instead of continuously drawing, but it's better to get one than zero. As much as we want to get three, it's better that we come out with one. So I'm I'm gonna not complain, and I will be happy if we come home with at least four points from this road trip. That's a fair assessment. And honestly, those four points could come from the two Henny Derby matchups, and I won't care. I'll be fine with that. <laughs> we still need to keep the Henny Cup. <laughs> I would have to get it back. I don't, we didn't win it last year, so ugh, yeah. Mm. So, so much like, like the Ryder Cup. You know, tie goes to the holder. So if um, if they mm-hmm. win one and we draw one, stays in Richmond. No, all Ford has to do is win one of these next two games, and they get it. That's it. So, nice. so Ford wins, they keep it. But if Richmond wins, then a draw won't do it. If we have two draws, Ford will keep it. Uh, just for those of you scoring at home, upcoming matches, uh, uh, the coveted 4 p.m. on Friday's time slot with uh, New England Revolution 2. Uh, and then we go to Richmond for Henny D- Derby one. Then we go back to New England for Henny Derby two or for New England Derby, the, the musket Derby. I don't know uh, for that two. And then we go back down to Richmond. So we have a revel revs two, kickers revs two, kickers. And then fifth game on the road road. We go to union Omaha. And then finally, at home, Tucson, hottest team in USL League One right now, and the Chattanooga Red Wolves, who I think are at the top of the table. Are they not? Technically, they are. And they're the only team. They have one less draw than Ford Madison. They also have 10 wins. <laughs> uh, they also played more games. Yep. They do have. Well, that's why for now have. they are top of the table. If Omaha wins, like two, if they win their games in hand, they'll surpass Chattanooga. Fair enough. Um, anything, uh, Kyle, uh, from, do you want to get the word out on the, uh, walking pod? Uh, what's going on when you guys are doing that? (laughs) We have a show this Thursday. We didn't do it last week because all of us were busy. So we will have it this Thursday, probably starting sometime around 8 PM central, maybe even eight 30. I don't know. Definitely after eight. There, there are jokes in there that I can't make, uh, on the podcast, but, uh, uh, I will make it. You can't trust black people to start on time. I admit that <laughs> there is very flexible timing. I'm reminded there. That um, is our motto. Yeah. I uh, mean, there, I told my mom to show up to my wedding a half an hour beforehand because well, it's my mom and her family. So yeah. <laughs> uh, 
there, there was the joke on on Thirty Rock. I remember that was uh, uh, Black Fraser. It started at about eight or eight thirty Eastern time. That's what I thought of immediately when you were like, "It's pretty pretty similar." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's say a, sometime after eight. Yeah, it's but it's a, an extravaganza. You learn a lot. I listen to the podcast. Um, it's it's great. Uh, hosted by our own Kyle Koche. Uh, Ebony from the new new North Carolina, uh, and then uh, 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 our friends from the River City ninety three, uh, and I'm blanking on his name now. Your Henny Darby rival, uh, Yogi. Yep, Yogi. He has a real name, and that's what I was trying to go for. But he doesn't you know. like me using his government name. <laughs> okay, uh, Yogi McLovin, as he's known, and doesn't like the the the, the feds are onto his USL League One podcasting. I think uh, before we go, a chance to our wonderful guests who brighten the podcast uh, every time. And Kelly, uh, by the way, ha- have there been any pipe installations near your uh, apartment building of light? Uh, no, no. The the giant trench and the pipes within it are covered up. There is some sort of grass now growing and. It seems to have been a sort of dormant thing this summer. We'll see. Maybe next summer, you know, new year, new trench. So no trench updates. No Kelly trench is updates. Our, our trench correspondent. Uh, Sarah Kelly, October 9th, starting at about 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Remind the folks that are still listening to this abomination of a podcast what good times they can expect. Yeah, camp games. Food, campfire, and s'mores. Mm-hmm. And we believe most, if not all, of the team will be there so you can, like, hang with the players. Crafts and arts. Good time to remind. Don't leave out yes. those. Yeah. Both um, arts and crafts. Yes. Will there be glitter? No. Okay. <laughs> glitter is the herpes <laughs> of craft supplies, so no. You can never okay. get rid of it once it's around. Yeah, even outdoors. Our wedding planner asked us if we had one absolute or like any absolutes, and we both were like, absolutely no glitter. And then my grandma up and gave us a card that was covered in glitter. But she's 94, so you're like, thanks, grandma. Yeah. It was sparkly and pretty, and that's all grandma needed. And and hopefully there's money. Uh, Probably if she's anything like my my grandmother, $5. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, grandma. Uh, grandma, grandma got to the point. She was like mailing a dollar and you're like, grandma, it costs you more to mail the card than like, you know, you actually put in it, but neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> love you, grandma. Um, anyhow, uh, until next time we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling into draws.